You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey guys, Aaron Broverman here just to tell you about our sponsor, Harry Tarantula. Harry Tarantula is our original sponsor. They're the OG sponsor. They were here in the very beginning when we were just a fledgling comic book show done out of some guy's bedroom. But they have some amazing product for you. Just go down to their store at 3456 Young Street and you can get your role-playing games. You can get your comic books, of course. You can get your tabletop games. They have everything. We got Pokemon cards. We've got Star Wars miniatures. They just have everything that you could possibly want. Plus, Leon, their owner, is an amazing dude. He uh, He's very honest and uh, he'll get you everything you need. And uh, they have an amazing new space there at 3456 Young Street. So you got to go down. You got to check out their merchandise. Sometimes they have weekly live role-playing games, some Magic the Gathering stuff. They're doing championships all the time. You've probably seen a lot of their stuff on our social media because we try to promote them any way we can because without them we wouldn't be able to put this podcast together for you so please if you're local to Toronto and even if you're not look them up at www.harryt.com and uh, check them out at 3456 Young Street and tell them Aaron sent you listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hey, fan people. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. You found us at Never Sleeps Network at neversleepsnetwork.com. And you can follow us on social media everywhere at SpeechBubblePod. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. Don't forget to review us. If you do, I will send you a comic from my personal collection. All you have to do is DM us anywhere on social media, and I can make that happen. Uh, with me today, um, you probably don't know our next guest by name, but you've seen his work. If you live in Toronto and you've been to Sweet Jesus, the ice cream parlor, this person puts together the look of Sweet Jesus. Um, but he's launching a book. It's called Apologetica. He's going to be at TCAF. This is why we're recording this now. Obviously, by the time you hear this, the book will already have been out. It's from Pop Noir Editions. If you were paying attention and you listened to our Marc La Liberté episode, Marc is the publisher of Pop Noir Editions, so he's working with this person on this book, Apologetica. It's sort of an anthology about the ennui that sets in about the state of the world. Please welcome Ben O'Neill. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you? 
I'm good. Um, I should have mentioned off the top, too, that I reviewed uh, Apologetica for Sequential Magazine number two, which is available on Gumroad at sequentialmagazine.ca. They've also sponsored this podcast. So it's a little bit of a incestuous thing going on here. <laughs> but I should, you know, have the full disclosure and be transparent and say that I've reviewed this book and I quite enjoyed it. Um, But before we get into the book that you're launching, Apologetica, I want to know about you. How did you get into art? What is your growing up life like? Um, Yeah, I I mean, I've been pretty uh, (laughs) scattered amongst like different genres and mediums, I I guess, over the years. Like I, I uh, I did a lot of comics stuff as a kid. Um, I ended up going to OCAD for art criticism and curatorial practice oh. um, because I wanted to, I, I don't know, I, I at the time I felt like I was at this crossroads, like I was doing like abstract painting and I was sort of thinking wh- what, like how do I carry this to the next thing? This sort of looks like home sense art, like what is this? I'm, I'm not sure what to do from here. So I, I went into the program to sort of figure out um, what, like how I thought art worked best, how I thought it functioned, um, ended up minoring in illustration uh, halfway through my time at OCAD and then took a couple comics classes and like fell back into it from there. So it was like a, a very long loop that led me back to comics. Um, and yeah, here, here we are. I'm not sure how I got here, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Would you do? You, would you describe yourself as like a commercial artist first, comic second, or does the commercial art supplement the comic self-publishing that you want to do? Like, how did you organize your career getting out of school? Yeah, I would say it supplements it. Like, I I think um, I think it felt felt really good coming out of school to work with companies and and work with brands and sort of having like a, a clear focus on on certain projects. Um, and like, you know, a little bit of financial stability can't hurt as well. But then, you know, that definitely gave me a little bit of freedom to, uh, do what I wanted to do on the personal creative projects that I had. Was I right off the top in saying that Sweet Jesus is sort of what you're known for was sort of your, your calling card at this point? Yeah, definitely. Like I, um, I was one of the artists that they've worked with over the years. Um, I've, yeah, I've, I've done a bunch of stuff for them over the past few years. And that's, that's definitely like given me a fair amount of exposure uh, because their like social media presence is huge. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that's like a calling. That's been a calling card for me the, the past few years. Nice, nice. So when you were a kid, were you into comics and what kind of comics were you, were you into? Um, I, I feel like it was like mostly Spawn. <laughs> like I was obsessed I, with Spawn. I read Spawn. Um, besides that, I, I think I read a little bit of superhero stuff. Um, but I also, like as a, as a kid, I also really wanted to get into film. So I feel like that was like, I, I guess first, like I've always sort of been like a storyteller, and that's that's always been spread uh, across a few different things. So I, I really liked comics. I really liked film. I really liked just like straight writing. And I feel like even now, like i'm I'm pretty split between those those three things. Um, yeah, and and I find it I find it sort of interesting to uh, 
come up with an idea and like figure out what medium might suit it best. So some of my ideas, like I got for Apologetica, had such like a visual component that um, I thought it would lend itself best to to the form of comics. Nice. So how would you how would you describe your style and how would how did you develop it? Because it's very signature for for you. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think I definitely took some cues from uh, sort of like religious iconography. Um, I, I feel like I don't know. This this might have just come out of not not being amazing at drawing like perspective. But there's there's like this period in um, sort of like a lot of uh, like Middle Eastern art where um, artists started trying to like emulate. Uh, western perspective and sort of doing it improperly or not quite nailing it so you you get this really interesting mix between like dimensionality and flatness um you sort of see that a little bit in like northern renaissance art as well uh with like bosch and bruegel um like they're they're trying with the perspective but it's not quite there right um so i don't know that that interests me stylistically i think i i definitely took some cues from that um beyond that like yeah i'm i'm really i guess influenced by cartoonists like uh kaz who's worked on spongebob um sort of like this hyper cartoony like childlike style that's mixed with very depressing adult themes um i think that's like a contrast i really try and push in my work um yeah that's amazing so when i was reading it it always seemed like your drawings were either like vibrating or melting or like kind of slimy or something (laughs) like uh, where do you get that from? It seemed like they were like constantly in motion or or they were dripping off the page kind of thing. Wh- wh- where does that come from? Um, I Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, maybe part of that is the dimensionality thing. Like there's there's something sort of uncomfortable about sort of having a depth of field, but also everything's sort of like equal on on the page so you know sometimes your eye doesn't know quite where to rest and and definitely like the very vibrant like busy color scheme helps with that too so yeah I I guess you know I I want the the images to almost like induce anxiety just by looking at them the the story and the content aside and the colors too does that come from cartooning as well yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I think part of that is um, like a part of a background in like graphic design and, and branding and, and stuff like that. Um, like you want something that's very vibrant and, and eye catching. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, like the the cartoons uh, that I'm, I'm influenced by, like, as I said, like SpongeBob or like, you know, things like Adventure Time. Um yeah, all of that, I think, informs my, my approach. I kind of laugh because I, I read something like Apologetica and, like, your style doesn't vary that much from project to project that I can see. Mm. So I, I laugh when, like, brands like Sweet Jesus and that sort of thing want you to do things because it's like 
they're getting that sort of anxious, warped <laughs> kind of style of like of like juxtaposing cartoony things with like weird unsettling sort of themes so so i wonder if they like if they like really know what you're doing or if you're getting away with something (laughs) how do you feel about like brands being like oh yeah we like your stuff and then i i see it and i'm like that's equally fun and disturbing at the same time (laughs) yeah no that's that's a really good point um (laughs) I mean, like, shout out to to Andrew Richmond, who uh, uh, founded and and was the previous owner of Sweet Jesus, because he um, he was like familiar with my work, and that really was a brand that, or, or you know, a business that came to me knowing uh, the the weird things that I do <laughs> in my spare time, and uh, yeah, it, it like I think I've been sort of lucky in that there have been certain people I've worked with who. Yeah, like are familiar with what I do and you know, we we can at least come to some sort of compromise where it's like people still want to buy the th- like I'm not putting people off that much. <laughs> right. But um there's still sort of that signature feel to it. Um and like I know that's not that's not always the case. Like I, I do think I've been really lucky in that um I've sort of looked for projects that um you know, my my hand can still be seen in it. I'm not like disappearing into the the project. Um, yeah. Nice. So, Apologetica, um, first graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. And you you did you said off the top that you did a little bit of comics, like you know, growing up and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But is this like your first real serious comic thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, like in in school, I made this. 13 page comic like at, at OCAD I made a 13 page comic called uh, Tobacco which is about this uh, like phlegm ball that gets spat out and comes to life and then is is hunted down by a tobacco junkie and and I printed I printed maybe like 50 or 80 copies of it um, but but this is definitely Apologetica is definitely my first sort of project that I took seriously um, and that I put together as, you know, a, a somewhat full-length book. So how did it come to your mind conceptually? Like, what made you want to get back into comics or, or do this, like, graphic novel at this point? Because it seems like, you know, you're sort of well into your career kind of thing, and then now you're doing a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So so where did the idea for it come from, and, and what made you want to try this? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's something that I've been working on on and off for, for a while now. Um, like some of these ideas I, I started getting like a couple years ago. And um, yeah, like I said before, like there, there are certain things that, certain ideas that I get that I think, um, you know, this this might function better as like a film script or like this might function better as, as just a, you know, a short story. Um, but a lot of these ideas that I was having, you know, I, I thought would, would function the best um, sort of in, in this meticulously, like, visual comic style. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't start all of these stories with the goal of sort of publishing them as a collection. Um, it was just sort of something I was doing to, to get the ideas out, but... Um, yeah, like Mark uh, Liliberté really encouraged me to like 
look at it as a more cohesive project and um yeah eventually you know he he approached me uh, about the whole pop noir thing and um yeah it, it came together it sort of just like trickled slowly and, and and came together and like thematically you know we're talking about like you know the environment like basically if we stay on this same path in terms of consumption and that sort of thing like you kind of take it to its ultimate environmental extreme <laughs> uh there's not just that but like the sense of anxiety that comes with not having a, you know, visceral relationship with your food anymore and going to the grocery store, but then not uh, not really knowing what you're doing or what you're eating or any of that kind of stuff and still being like a predatory mammal in a, in a sense. Uh, there's, there's that in there. There's a lot of like... Um, the martyrdom that people sometimes exhibit when they're behind their computer screen and they're updating their status and they want sympathy or empathy from the world at large all of a sudden and suddenly their personal problems are something that they need to display for everyone to see. So you sort of lampoon that. Um, so I guess what I'm curious about is like, how did all these ideas start percolating? Are you are you pretty negative about the state of the world like a lot of people are these days? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely not not happy about a lot of things. <laughs> um I don't know. Like I I think a lot of um a lot of the stories and and a lot of the ideas that interest me are sort of about um, complicity and like being complicit in a, in a system or an environment that you have serious suspicions about. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, like obviously these days, I, I think there's a lot you can do through social media to sort of like brand yourself as a quote-unquote like woke person or or someone who's um like an activist or or you know trying very hard to make the world a better place and and I mean I you know I, I think that's very worth worthwhile to do but um I think you know I I've I felt like a certain skepticism at times that there's not like there's a lot of shallowness surrounding that and a lot of inauthenticity. Um, you know, you can sort of click attending on like a protest Facebook event and then everybody sees that you're attending. And then it's almost like you don't have to go because you've, you've done your bit. Um, so, yeah. and, and like, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm above this stuff um, at all. I'm, I'm not proposing solutions in this book. I don't think that, you know, I'm necessarily better uh, or like definitely not more active than, you know, everyone else. But I think it is interesting to sort of question the like aesthetic side of why we um why we like take a stand against things and um sort of be honest with ourselves about how much of a difference the the little maybe empty gestures that we make like the the difference that they're actually doing um yeah yeah same with like piling on a particular narrative and then the narrative 
changes and then you kind of change with it. Like mm-hmm. that happened with like the Juicy Smollett thing where everybody thought it was one story and then it became another story and then right. it became yet another story. <laughs> and depending on how you consider yourself, if you're like a woke person mm-hmm. or if you're like more right, mm-hmm. people were reacting a particular way depending on what phase of the story we were in and then as these stories would as more information would come out people would get knee-jerk about like going back on their position and then they would move forward on their so it's so crazy because people don't even wait for all the information to come they just sort of already form their opinion based on who they think they're supposed to be be to to the to the world totally yeah 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 that that whole thing was a mess (laughs) it's it's so weird and i think i think you're commenting on that as well like how people's opinions aren't really their opinions they're 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 like the public perception of their opinions is more important than their actual yeah uh, opinions a little bit you know what you know what i mean yeah like i guess it's sort of asking you know, are, are you doing things to actually uh, stimulate thought and to, like, stimulate change? Um, or are you, you know, posting something online or, or adopting some sort of ritual to allow you to, like, stop thinking about the, the damage that you're doing? And, like, the ways that people sort of excuse themselves from responsibility, um, that really interested me me with this book. Um, and yeah, not to like, you know, it's not a, it's not a criticism of things like the, you know, the, the tiny house movement, uh, because I think those, those things are really great, but, um, I, I am really interested in like the, yeah, like I said, like the aesthetic side to activism and, um, you know, like how it ties into like almost like fashion in in a in a weird. So like aesthetic is like how you appear as an activist, like all the like outside trappings of yeah. a particular position. Yeah, totally, okay. and, and the sort of like like social currency that uh, is is to be gained through that. Right. What kind of mileage are you getting? Are you actually having a discussion that you actually want to hear people's opinions about, or do you just want other people to like agree with you or yeah like you or do you just want to start shit like that kind of thing yeah like it, it's sort of like when you know when trump got elected and you know you'd go on instagram and your feed would just be littered with um you know comic people and like illustrators and artists being like i'm gonna draw donald but his face is a butt and now i'm an activist and making some sort of like informed social statement but, you know, really it's just creating this this sort of, like, infantile echo chamber mm-hmm. um, that, you, you know, isn't, isn't really putting forth any sort of, like, intelligent or useful idea. And yet, you know, you, people post that up and they're like, oh, well, I did something. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So we should tell people that this isn't all the way a comic like there are strips there are comics in here but some of it is prose with accompanying illustrations so what made you decide what stories were going to be prose and what stories were going to be comics 
and how you were going to like present each each thing mm-hmm. um i don't know i like it it's it's sort of a like i don't decide right away at a certain point um like the enter tiny house story the one that that's prose like i i had been thinking about that as a comic um and yeah i don't know i guess part of the reason is like that one's very much an internal monologue um not not to say that that can't work as as a comic like i i love internal monologue comics but um yeah there's just some quality to that 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 i sort of wanted to act more as like a fable or like a storybook that's that's just read um almost like you know children's book format where it's like text on one page and then an accompanying illustration on the other and that comes from what you were saying before how you have a very good sense of like how a particular story should be told like how do you get those cues how do you know when something should be a film or something should be a comic or something should be a you know something else yeah um i don't know i i guess it's it's instinctual um i think there you know this maybe isn't good to say but like uh i think there are like limits to what I like drawing like um you know I'm I'm not like a super uh like I you know I didn't really go to school for for illustration I'm not like super trained with this stuff so I I sort of like have my um like super flat cartoony style that I work with and I think that lends itself to um a lot of things and and doesn't lend itself as well to others um so, you know, if, if I think something would work well in, in a more, like, cinematic um, style told from a lot of different, you know, perspectives with a lot of depth, that's not necessarily something I would be interested in drawing as a comic. That would work, to me, better on, on film. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the particularities of each medium lend themselves to different... Uh, qualities of storytelling have you ever been wrong like have you ever thought something would work as a particular thing and then you started it and you were like oh crap like that sucks uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean like that should have been a comic right. or that should have been a book or whatever i've I, i've definitely gone back and forth i feel like i haven't gotten to the end of something and like really regretted it but like i still have a couple like I have a short story um, that I wrote a few months ago and I'm like still trying to wrestle with if, be, because there are a lot of visual elements and, and I'm still trying to figure out like, would this work better as a comic so people can actually see the things I'm describing or is the fun in forcing them to visualize it themselves? Are you at all afraid that by putting out this graphic novel, you've become... A comic person and people are just going to be expecting the next graphic novel thing and you're not going to be able to like go back into regular like other mediums right um no i think that would be pretty cool like uh, I, okay. I i i definitely want to uh follow this up with something um you know i i, I would love to have another either you know single story graphic novel or anthology out within the next couple years um but i i think i'll you know, I, I, I plan on resisting <laughs> pressures to to stick with one thing. Like I, I, I think I can have a pretty short attention span <laughs> with these things. So I'm I'm definitely just gonna like stare off into space at some point and be like, oh maybe I'll just 
write another script right I, for I, a little bit i mentioned <laughs> that because like at tcaf i mean you're going into the place where like everybody does comics or graphic novels and mm-hmm. like like there's variation in style there and and you know like one comic isn't always the same it's not like superior or whatever mm-hmm. but they all are comic people and they're they have like this project but then they're gonna be back next year with their next comic thing it's not like it's not like they're gonna invite you know, a film necessarily, necessarily <laughs> right. a TCAF, right? So, so by going to TCAF, you're kind of being like, I'm a comic guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's what people are gonna at least associate with you on on first glance, right? And uh, because the world is short attention span, it's always gonna be like, okay, what else have you done? Or like, totally. what else are you doing? Or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, and and it is tough. I mean. Um... I think generally people want, you know, people are more, more comfortable if they know what to expect. And, mm. you know, I, I find when I post uh, stuff about a film that I'm co-writing or, or whatever, um, my Instagram following is just sort of like, what is this? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's sort of unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's important to me i guess to to stretch myself over uh you know two or three different things um and i i really respect that in when when i see that in other artists as well um i i think it's a really good challenge to do something completely different but still try and find like what's common and unique to you in those things so even if you know it's a completely different form someone could still look at that and see something characteristic i respect the resistance as you say because uh i like the way i'm talking about this it's like i'm trying to pigeonhole you but i'm not i mean other people (laughs) have have come to tcaf and they also work in film and they work in comics and Mm -hmm. they're they're comfortable doing what they do like hoche anderson for example is one of those people Mm. so you can do whatever you want. It's just that you have to kind of weather the reaction to whatever you're to whatever you're doing, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I'm I think I'm prepared for that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. Um I wanna know like since we've already talked to Mark Le Liberté, check mm-hmm. out that episode if you want to learn uh, about that. That's pretty much a companion episode to this conversation because you'll get to learn about his publishing side. Um, how did you get hooked up with Mark? Um, so I was aware of Carousel Magazine pretty early on, um, after moving to Toronto, like maybe five or six years ago, I became aware of Carousel and, and, uh, really admired what Mark was doing. I really loved a lot of the artists that were featured in, uh, certain issues. And then I, I think I was interning at, broken pencil magazine a few years ago and met mark at um uh, i can't remember the name of the festival but it was no it was it was more of like a uh magazine and publishing festival word on the street word on the street okay um so i think i approached mark at word on the street because i wanted to do some four panel comics oh yeah four panel is his project where he gets like avant-garde artists to do um i wouldn't even always call them comics it's it's the comic format but you can basically do whatever you want within the four panels yeah like some of them are very 
abstract some of them are narrative it's it's a, a really cool range of stuff so yeah i i wanted to get involved with that and and i ended up doing um yeah a couple four panel strips for him and then we ended up collaborating on on like an animated four panel project um last year and yeah just sort of talking with mark like he was very encouraging of uh of me like sticking with comics and um yeah really was like a huge encouraging force in in this project when you wanted to do the first four panel thing and you said hey i've been reading carousel i want to do a four panel thing was he like let me see your stuff or did you just did he was he just like yeah like go ahead um I think I think I sent him like a link to my website or I maybe I did just send him one out of the blue oh, a- right. after we met in person. Right. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. Yeah, but either way it worked out. So. Yes. Yeah. Perfect for sure. Awesome. So, I mean, you are not the only person that Mark is publishing at this uh, at TCAF. Uh, you're also exhibiting with another person, uh, Jessica Bertram, mm-hmm. and she has a book coming out, which is also kind of an anthology of like work that she's she's done uh, as her sort of, uh, I guess, what would I call it? Co- like co-creator on the roster mm. of Pop Noir editions, Mark's publishing arm. How do you guys interact? Like, what do you what do you think of her? Have you have you met her, or is this something you've just sort of created in isolation? And Mark is like, and. <laughs> this person right uh jessica and i have not met in person okay uh by the time this airs we will have because okay. uh i'm meeting her at tcaf we're, yeah. we're running the table together so. and you're listening to this in the future so yes yeah mm-hmm. by the time you hear this jessica and i will be friends um but yeah she like we've uh, communicated through email she seems super nice she's super talented i have not read her book yet but i'm excited to and I will have by the time you hear this. Um, yeah, it, it seems like she's been working on that series for years and years now. Like her book is uh, pretty huge, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm excited to to actually see it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see it as well. Uh, it was unfortunate that I couldn't uh, uh, look at her book, uh, you know, in time with the same. Uh, closeness that i was able to look at yours but i'm definitely a tcav i'm gonna check it out mm-hmm. um in terms of like you know your products and where you're from and stuff you're originally from london right yeah awesome awesome so coming to toronto like how did that happen for you was it just like i gotta get out of here i gotta get to the big city or you know i need other things yeah so there's um there's like a really great high school program in London. Um, the high school is called Beale, and like almost the entire basement of the school is dedicated to art studios. Um, so some people sort of do half days in grade 11 and 12 there. A lot of people also go to Beale Art after graduating high school. So I did two years there. Um, and studied during high school or after okay, yeah after um so i spent two years after high school there like studying um painting and photography and yeah wanted to go to ocad like i said before with the idea of being like a painter 
And I, I moved here with maybe like a dozen other people from the program. So there was sort of this mass migration of us who went to like Ryerson or OCAD or Sheridan or whatever. Um, so yeah, like I, I came here to go to school, but um, you know, once I was here, I realized that there is a really amazing comic and zine uh, scene and community here, and and that's what's uh, made me stick around. Nice, awesome. Um, and we've had some of the comic and zine community around. Like, I don't know if you do. Have you gone to any of the comic jams at the at the Cameron House and stuff? No, I haven't. We we had some people from that, like. Uh, the read more comics guys they're like a collective that does a comic at the comic jam they met at the oh, comic jam yeah that does sound they're familiar. coming to tgaf too the read more comics people uh matthew daly is another cartoonist uh he's been long associated with uh, broken pencil uh, yeah the name the that name Monitor definitely sounds familiar comic yeah. and stuff so yeah like there's definitely like a huge uh avant-garde cartoon cartooning scene zine scene here for sure yeah um so now that this book is out and you're sort of pre-launching it, because the regular launch is in June, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, what are you What are you expecting? Have you been to TCAF before? I've been to, to TCAF. It's my first time, sort of having work there. Um, but yeah, I've I've gone every year. I mean, I I love TCAF, um, especially the the uh wowie zonk uh stuff that that's generally my my favorite um yeah i don't know i'm i'm expecting you know i'm i'm at these things it's always nice to meet people that you're aware of through instagram but like have never met in person and like you know it's like that awkward moment when you realize you only know their instagram handle and not their real name so i'm expecting a lot of that <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I, I want to get the book out um, as much as I can. After TCAF, Mark and I are looking into doing a, a little bit of like a tour, maybe going to Montreal and, and Ottawa, where Jessica's from. Um, and yeah, just, just trying to get it, you know, get some exposure for it um, and sort of create a bit of a, a, a foundation to maybe, you know, launch a second book from. Is it? Was it easy to work with Pop Noir Editions? Like, it's kind of a smaller publisher, but do you prefer it that way? I guess I don't... <laughs> I don't have much to... Co- like, I've, I've never worked with a huge publisher, so I, I can't really make the comparison. But, I mean, yeah, like, Mark's great. Um, I, I really trust his taste and his design sense. Um, like, a, apart from... His work for Carousel and Four Panel, he he also does like he's designed books in the past, and and I've I've seen them, and you know going into it, I I knew that we had a similar aesthetic taste, um, so yeah, it was it was awesome. I, I I would recommend it. That's amazing. Um, what does your family think of this? Like all the way from <laughs> London, Ontario, you're publishing a book. What do they think of your style? Like if my mom saw it, I'd be like, she'd be like, that's kind of warped. Like what 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 is this? Yeah, I maybe they're just used to it. With me. <laughs> I don't know. I I was yeah, I was a little bit concerned. I mean, there's definitely like an aspect of the comic when I give it to people. I'm like, are they are they gonna just like put a hand on my shoulder and ask me if I'm okay? Um, but yeah, my my parents read it for the first time a couple weeks ago, and um, yeah, I, I think I think they knew where I was coming from. Like they 
um, are pretty like environmentally minded people as well. So I, I think they they shared some of the anxieties. Um, yeah, it was it was received better than I better than I thought it might be. <laughs> good, good, that's awesome. Yeah, some people already have the anxieties. They just don't they don't give voice to them in such an extreme kind of way. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. They might agree with you, but they'd never put it like that because it's too it's too risque for them to do that. So. Yeah. 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 For sure. We need we need artists to you know go on the sword of uh, (laughs) self-expression a lot of the time absolutely all right man well this has been great i look forward to seeing you uh at tcaf of course by the time you listen to this tcaf will be over so uh too bad for you hopefully you were there um and uh yeah i i really appreciated doing the review it was great and uh where can people get the book if they can't be at tcaf or they you know they yeah they just can't see you in person um yeah so they can order it on the pop noir website i think it's like popnoir.bigcartel.com um they can also find a link through my website uh, benoneal.com um yeah that's probably the best place and how can people follow up with what you're doing uh how do people find you on social media yeah so i'm uh mostly just on instagram uh my handle is young.restless y-u-n-g um it's just a really bad soap opera joke so yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good uh, yeah, so that's great. I, I hope that uh, everything works out for you. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but do you have anything planned for your next project? Um, nothing yet. Like, I'm working on a couple short stories that I think will become comics eventually. But, um, but yeah, for the moment, I'm uh, sort of focusing on film for the next few months. I've, I've got a couple short films that are doing their festival circuit right now, uh, the Sunset Channel and Buzzard. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still plugging away at comic stuff. They're called the Sunset Channel and Buzzard? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, okay, and I'm, I'm working on a tarot deck too. That's so cool. That should be out in a few months. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully people can uh, follow you on social media and find out when those things are going to be available. Uh, but for now, I'm going to say goodbye and we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network is hosted by me, Aaron Broverman, and features audio editing from Armin Zoberi. It has announcements by Craig Mayhem and Sean Ward, with graphical assistance by Brittany Tice.